punctuates it, and he creates his own offensive chance with that motor. Krejci to Coyle, and the Leafs are moved again! Hello there, and welcome to Nesson Bruins Podcast on Nesson.com's Mike Cole, joined, as always, by Logan Mullen and Lauren Campbell. Guys, uh, here we are once again. How's it going? Swell. Pretty good. No complaints. Um, actually, a pretty uh, a pretty jam packed week. So I think we should, you know, skip all the pleasantries and get right into it. Um, you don't want to uh, dive into how you're playing hurt. How you're I mean, your literally, why, like, why even? Why do I even? I mean, I'm technically kind of hosting this thing. Why even say stuff if you're just going to completely contradict? What I, I, I don't know. Sometimes, sometimes things are worth getting into. I uh, yeah, so I'm a little moody because I, uh, yeah, because I was gonna say you want to know what's gonna happen is we're gonna finish this and you're gonna be like oh you know what that wasn't that great but I was dealing with a go ahead a brain freeze from a smoothie yeah and then we have to hear the excuses so you looking, might as well get the qualifiers out early looking after my health tried to you know made a smoothie at home and drank it a little too fast because I was hurrying to to get to this uh, podcast recording on my day off uh, mind you. Um, so you did not know it was your day off by and the way. shove it. Um, yeah, I, yeah. So I'm playing a little hurt. I uh, completely disregarding that story I read recently that said, like, if you don't get to what you're going to talk to in your podcast in the first 30 seconds, people just tune out. But you know, I wouldn't expect you to know that either. So I was not made abreast of that story. <laughs> Maybe next time I'll send that to your way so we can <laughs> not deal with this crap. Um, but yeah, I, I have my water. I feel like that's going to help me. I've been pressing my tongue to the roof of my mouth. I'll get through it. I'll find a way. This is a hockey podcast after all. So um, I'm not going to miss a shift. Uh, so the Bruins. Oh, this is, that's a tough segue. Um, the Bruins going to be without Brandon Carlo for the uh, foreseeable future. Uh, Don Sweeney spoke today. I don't think he had a, a good update on, on Carlo, who is out. Uh, presumably with some sort of head, head injury after going to the hospital Friday night. It was Friday night. Friday. Uh, the Bruins played the Washington Capitals. Tom Wilson, um, after running around earlier in that shift, I think that kind of gets lost uh, in the shuffle that he was being kind of a dink uh, down the other end. So, you know, being a 200-foot player, coming all the way down the ice and, and lining up Carlo, who was along the boards in a relatively vulnerable, vulnerable position, Depending on what replay you look at, didn't look like the worst hit in the world. But there is one replay that kind of feels like it's coming from near the benches where it's just he skates right at him. Doesn't launch, but also does launch. Um, and it was a weird hit. Like he hit Carlo with his – like he used his hand to basically drive Carlo's head into the glass. No call on the play. Uh, NHL play, uh, Department of Player Safety looked at it said, that's boarding. You're going to get an in-person hearing. Seven games. Um, Wilson fought twice in that game. Bruins really went to bat for Carlo, who, who again, is, is out for the foreseeable future. Bruins win that game resounding. I, I guess, what do we think of the hit? What do we think of the response? And, and what do we think of what this might mean in, you know, as a snapshot in the Bruins season? Lauren, why don't you uh, start us off? Yeah, I mean, the hit, I, I didn't like it at all. I think Tom Wilson had plenty of time to redirect himself or just you know, get out of the way. But, um, you know, at this point, he's technically not a repeat offender because he's gone however many games without an offense, blah, blah, blah. But I'm glad to see that his past history came into play for the suspension. Um, I wasn't expecting 
I was expecting five games at the most, but um, I guess this equals 10, 10 games if this was an 82 game season. So I think it matches it um, pretty well, especially if he hasn't had a incident in a long time, but the response I thought was good. I thought it was something that the Bruins needed to do. I mean, they're already down a slew of defensemen. Trent Frederick wants to fight everybody anyway. So you knew it was going to be him at some point. And it was nice to see Tenorti uh, get in there and drop the gloves with Wilson. Who's not, who's a, a tough player. He's fighting a lot and he's a, obviously a big body, but losing Carlo is really going to hurt this blue line. I know last week we talked about the depth is going to be tested. And here we are again, pretty much saying the same thing that it's really going to be tested at this point, because now you're down Lazon Miller and Carlo. And those are three really big guys that you need in that lineup. That's going to be really hard to replace no matter how long they're out. And um, I mean, you just got to hope for the best for Carlo because, um, you know, assuming that this is a head injury, those can be really funny. He can wake up tomorrow and be fine, or he can be out for, you know, the rest of the year it's really just a matter of how he responds to just recovering I guess but overall it's you know obviously the Bruins won the game that was really good the response was good and it's just I don't know I just have a a ton of issues with with the hit in general just because there was every angle I've watched I've just felt like there's plenty of time to not let it get as serious as it was and even though he didn't leave his feet like he knew exactly what he was doing yeah. Well, and so the first thing, too, is like Carlo does have a history, right? Because that Evgeny Dodonov hit last year concussed him. Uh, he admitted that as much. Um, I just thought the hit was weird because when I kept watching it, like when you're facing the end wall, Wilson goes in on the left, which is why he ends up hitting Carlo in the head. So if Carlo doesn't put his head down, Wilson just goes like crashing into the glass like that was what I didn't understand is it's not like he was going for the numbers and then Carlo like backs up and his head ends up being the point of contact like Wilson I just I have no clue what the intent of the hit was and frankly like I don't think I think Tom Wilson's probably the only player in the NHL that gets seven games for that hit and I don't necessarily think that's wrong because at a certain point you lose the benefit of the doubt like maybe it, it it's tough to ever think that Tom Wilson's doing something innocuous when it comes to physical play. So it's like, how can you accept any sort of explanation that he was, you know, that it was relatively benign? Um, I think an understated part of that whole story is Jacob Rana uh, cross-checking Carlo twice in the back of the head. It's, I mean, you could tell the, with the way Carlo fell that like something was not right. Um, so I think that's been a pretty underplayed storyline. Um, but it's just... Oh no, I I have no patience for Tom Wilson. Like this is who he is. He's a predatory player. Until the NHL like truly makes an example of him, this stuff is going to continue to happen. And maybe sometimes it is just an accident. Like it, it's a physical game. Guys get hurt. But when you're Tom Wilson, you're sending guys to the hospital. Like you have lost any sort of leash that you might have had. Well, you know, and the thing with it being a physical game and all of that is like. 99% of the league's population has figured it out. Like this is, right. the, you know, the NHL has made it for better or worse. If you know, depending on how you look at hockey and how long you've been watching hockey for better or worse, the NHL has tried to get this sort of hit out of the game. 15 years ago, probably wouldn't be a big deal. It would have been a fight. That would have been it. Carlo, you know, probably would have come back into the game. Um, 
you know, a lot has changed. And, and with that, this is the kind of hit that it just, there's no, you know, there's no tolerance for that. And I, I suppose that's a good thing. And, um, you know, most guys understand that Tom Wilson seems to have problems understanding that. And maybe it's something where the capital say we can live with this because it's kind of like that Marshawn thing. I, I wouldn't put Marshawn on the same level of jackass as Tom Wilson, where I think a Wilson seems to be a little more high strung with this kind of stuff. He's also yeah. just a, a much bigger dude. Um, but I, I, you know, it just feels like he's the kind of guy who needs to play this way in order to be at his best. Coincidentally, maybe I'm wrong considering he has started to kind of get it out of his game. And in a, as you know, probably correlated his offense has kind of come alive. He's a, he's a valuable player. That's what makes it so hard is that he's actually a useful player. And that's where like, I take issue with Peter Laviolette's comments because like, I, I think it would be stupid if you have, if the NHL hasn't done anything to basically get Tom Wilson out of the game and he's under contract, you should play him because he's a skilled player. At the same time, I don't think your head coach needs to be enabling those types of hits with like, it looked like just a hockey play or whatever it was that he said. Like, I think that's where you start to get into the bad territory of, you know, are, are you in, not encouraging, but enabling this to happen or, um, you know, I don't know. I know you have to defend your player, but that's at the never same gonna time, go. like, yeah. It's, that's it's never going to go away. That's, right. I know that you have to back up your players, but I do think there's a way to do it responsibly too, where it's like these hits like can't happen. You know, all it was was, oh, it's just a hit, just a hit. And then he goes and doubles down on it where it's just like, you've had plenty of time to look at it. You have plenty of time to really see that this was not just a hit. So I took a lot of issue with his comments too, just because like the first night, okay, I let it go, whatever. He hasn't seen it in, in replay yet, but once you start getting the replay involved and just continue to say it was just a hit, it just rubs me the wrong way. I think that part speaks to how good Tom Wilson's become as a player in addition to this too. Like if that's the, you know, the equivalent of Jared Tenorti, you know, like no offense to Jared Tenorti, it yeah. probably, you know, it, maybe it's not as, as stern of a defense if it's John Scott or, you know, I, I don't remember what happened to John Scott one back in the day, but like, I it's again you kind of have to throw up your hands at a certain point and be like well that's kind of the way hockey is which is probably not a great response but you know the to the NHL's credit they have things built in place here where they you know they can police the game if if you know the referees or the the coaches won't do it and that's the other thing too like that the refs miss this is you know I mean come on like there needs to be accountability there as well but I mean, that's, that's kind of a, a conversation for a different day. I, I did one thing I wanted to hit on was I, and, and Lauren kind of touched on this too. The response is, is as good as could have been like, they, they absolutely nailed it with the response. And I, I am as close as an advocate is for fighting in hockey in 2021, as you'll see, like, I think there is a role in the game for ho- uh, fighting. I enjoy it. Maybe that makes me a knuckle dragger, whatever, but this is exactly the type of incident that, you know, hockey or fighting in hockey still serves a purpose. Um, and I, I, you know, I think the Bruins handled it as well as they could have, you know, I guess credit to Wilson, if you want to say it, you know, like that for, for, for handling it and, you know, taking his lumps and he got tuned up pretty good by Tenori a couple of times there. And then to go back and do it again later in the game, um, he definitely served his penance with the Bruins. It feels like, 
but uh, you know the response is good. I, I they they won the game. They they thoroughly dismantled, uh, the, you know they thoroughly dismantled the Caps in a game that they needed to have coming off of that Wednesday night game, and you know with how they've played recently, that's a that's a big win for them. So I think that just as much as that's just as important as the fighting stuff too is that you know you come out and you, you really take it to a team, and I I think that's a potential building block type of thing. You know, coincidentally they they did not look good after that, you know when they've played but I think they're in that weird spot right now too where it's you know the injuries are starting to pile up certainly on the blue line and you know I think it's just a, a reminder at least or proof that like when the chips are down they've got you know they've got some intestinal fortitude and that's encouraging to see I think it was just you know this is a weird way of saying it, a callous way of saying it but like I think they passed a pretty big test on Friday night and I think that's that's an encouraging takeaway if you're a Bruins fan. Well, not to give too much credence to the knuckle-dragging sect of hockey fans, but, like, what I think of is last year when Tuka Rask got run by Emil Bemstrom, and it was, like, an act of Congress to get somebody. I mean, that is literally the last game Brett Ritchie played with the Bruins because he got put on waivers the next day because they couldn't get anybody with Columbus to engage and Brett Ritchie nor anybody else went and tuned anybody up. It ended up being like Joakim Nordstrom getting an unsportsmanlike on Pierre-Luc Dubois, I think was all that came from it. So when you look at that from that was mid-January of 2019 to where they are now, like I don't think you need to completely build your team up full of goons, but I think at the same time, there is a level of like Trent Frederick can actually play and he can handle the physical, you know, fisticuff side of the game. Jared Tenori looks like he can do the exact same thing. Like it seems that when Kevin Miller plays, there's the Kevin Miller angle. Um, it seems like over the last however long it's been, you know, what, 14 months, they've managed to figure out how to kind of balance that so that if somebody does, you know, fall victim to a bad hit or something like that it'll get taken care of you even see it you even saw it tuesday night on long island like the you know the wallstrom hit looked a lot worse than it actually was but brad marshawn is right there to jump him and you know hey say what you want about that move maybe it wasn't the the best move in the in the situation but if he just sees that out of his corner the corner of his eye you know he's protecting a teammate i i have a hard time faulting a guy in that situation especially in March, you know, maybe it's different in the playoffs, but I think there's, there are things to be gained from those sorts of situations this time of the year, this part of the season that I think sometimes stand, you know, they, it's a very cliche thing, but it doesn't show up in the, in the box score in the standings. You don't want to get too carried away because especially in a short season, when only four teams from each division make the playoffs, but you know, at a certain point, you kind of got to, got to stand up for a team. I think that goes a long way in this sport, maybe more so than any other. So. It definitely does. And even Cassidy said after, I believe it was after the Capitals game with Frederick fighting. And he said, you know, he can, he's established himself as an agitator. And as long as it doesn't impact our game and his game, like I'm all for it. And I, mean, I think that says a lot too. Like you obviously want your teammates to stick up for everybody, but you don't want to be sitting in the penalty box every game for five minutes. Right. And that could obviously impact the game too. So, I mean, I'm all for it. I want to see, I, I like the fighting if it's you know, standing up for your teammates. Um, you know, you need to send a message somehow. It's incredible how Frederick has managed to avoid like going too far at any point. Isn't that um, job too? Like it's he is. Yeah. That like that clip of him 
sending someone flying into the boards and then screaming who wants it at the Rangers <laughs> bench is like total nutcase stuff. He's smiling but, when he's fighting. Yeah, like yeah. that's it's a balance, right? And I think you need a lot of those types. You, you need it takes all kinds for you know to to put it simply, like that. As long as you have a balance, as long as you don't go too far in one direction or another, those guys serve a purpose. And you know they're enforcers, Gordon. You're gonna need them when you play Team Iceland, like that. <laughs> uh, you know that's it's again, it's all about balance. And it's time and a place. And I think the Bruins did as well as they could have uh, in the past week with, with that sort of situation. Fortunately, unfortunately, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to win a lot of hockey games. And it continues to be a bit of a struggle. Um, I feel like the Bruins played the Islanders for probably the 16th time uh, this season already, especially at Nassau. But uh, another loss, a shootout loss. Um, Offense is kind of run dry. We've talked about the defense, um, you know, the uh in the last couple of weeks the defense has actually been really good the last two weeks now I, I've, I saw a stat where they've given up like two goals or fewer and a good handful of the you know last week and a half or whatever so that's kind of come around despite the the depth the real issue feels like right now is offense and um one one place where it really kind of stands out and maybe this goes on both sides is, is Patrice Bergeron. And I thought it was really interesting that Jack Edwards kind of mentioned this. Uh, when was it Sunday? Again, I, I it was after the devil's game or during uh, the devil's during game. the devil's late in the late Sunday during the devil's game. Uh, Jack Edwards pointed out that uh, Patrice Bergeron has been uh, uh, seeing his, his playing time decrease a little bit. And Jack kind of hinted at a few things, let him uh, kind of take that away and, and say what he had to say. In uh, Patrice Bergeron's first 15 games, he averaged 18.55 time on ice. In his last six, he has averaged 16.13, a drop-off of two minutes and 42 seconds of ice time per game. He did not look right against Subban on that goal. And he was given a maintenance day yesterday it may be just a coincidence of many factors, but I'm concerned about the captain's uh, physical stature at, at this juncture. Yeah, well, you're at that point in the season, and the games now are getting more and more frequent. You know, it was a compressed schedule to start with, with the COVID issues and uh, the way the schedule breaks. These are the challenges that he's going to face. Well, 80% of Patrice Bergeron is better than 90% of the league. All right, so there, that's what Jack had to say. Uh, unsurprisingly, a day later, uh, the media asked Patrice Bergeron about The Bruins made Patrice Bergeron available to the media uh, Monday morning, uh, gave him a chance to weigh in, and, and somewhat unsurprisingly, he, uh, he said he's feeling pretty good. So we'll let him uh, explain himself. I'm feeling good. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's obviously a, a shortened season with a lot of hockey. So, you know, uh, you know, it was maintenance uh, the day before the New Jersey game. And uh, that's it. It's probably going to, you know, as we, as we go forward as well, I think, uh, you know, you look at the, the amount of games and in, in the amount of days, it's, it is what it is. And we have to make the best of it. And, and that's it. So no issues. Is that particularly important? I guess you got a stretch coming up where you're playing a lot of games in, in a few days here over the next few weeks. Yeah. You know, uh, you look at the schedule, it's pretty much, uh, until the rest of the year, you're, uh, 
every other day almost uh, for the most part. So, um, you know, it's a lot of games and, and as, as I said, in a short period of time. And, and um, it's definitely something that uh, you have to be aware of and, and make sure you're, you're managing that. Uh, and, you know, that's what Bucci is doing, I guess. Patrice Bergeron says he's he's feeling okay. Uh, he actually kind of in that 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 bite mentions that maybe this is a Cassidy thing. I don't know. Um, I'm not gonna you know not in the business of speculating how healthy he is. I think this just kind of underscores uh, the importance of keeping guys fresh, especially guys with documented injury past like Bergeron. And especially as they get into like they are, I I don't think they have another string of two days off for the rest of the season. They're playing something like 35 games in the next 60 days or whatever it is. It is about to get hot and heavy. So um, I, I think it's a little bit of everything. He maybe something's bothering him, but I think this is almost as much as it, you know, probably load management as is anything else. Yeah. I mean, you know, they've struggled a little bit in recent games and you want your player, you want your Bergeron, Jamar Shans, your Pasha right. to be completely healthy for the playoffs. And it's going to be a battle for the playoffs too. You know, only the top four teams in each division get in. So just a little bit of load management, never hurt anybody. And until Bergeron or Cassidy comes out and says that he's hurt, then I have no reason to believe that or otherwise that he's just taking some time to rest, make sure he's completely healthy and just make sure that he doesn't risk injury going forward, especially when the team's already a little depleted right now. I doubt they're not going to play him because, I mean, they're fourth in the division, right? Well, so that's the thing, right, like... is that they can't score goals right now, and they are they all of a sudden are in the fourth place. Like, that's they need yeah. more than ever. Yeah, so, I mean, we were talking at the beginning of the year, like maybe if they continue to bank points, there's the possibility that they end up being able to do the load management thing a little bit more. But their division's so good, and it's going to be so tight that, they will probably not have the opportunity. So the, the we will know, I think, if Patrice Bergeron is actually hurt, we will know um, because he won't be playing. Right. Like, he kind of has no choice but to gut it out unless he actually cannot play. Yeah, it, it's – I was just looking at his numbers. Yeah, the, the time on ice, which Jack mentioned, is whatever. So it dipped, like, as low as it – although – I mean, maybe it is, and that maybe it's not a huge issue because, like, you look at the the lowest he's he's been in the last, you know, ten games or whatever was the Washington game. But like, there's no point in putting Patrice Bergeron on the ice in the third period, yeah. five nothing game. You know, like when dudes are running around, like it makes no sense to have him out there. So it's not surprising that he played a season low, yeah, season low fourteen eighteen on Friday night. Bounced back up to 19 minutes on Sunday. He was playing big minutes late. He was on the ice late in that game. So, like, that's the other thing, too, is you start looking at the situations. And is he on the ice when it matters most? Is he killing penalties? Is he is he taking big face-offs late in the game? He was doing all of that. He was on during the extra attacker situations. You know, so he's playing. Played another 18 minutes on, on Monday night or Tuesday night, whatever the hell day it is um, at this point. Uh, so, yeah, in, in the production – is relatively there. He's got what three goals in his last eight games, nine games, and maybe that's gone down a little bit, but it's gone down for everybody, which is, you know, speaks to the bigger issue here. And yeah, Logan, to your point, like they're what they're one point ahead of Philly with the same. Yeah. Of games. 
I mean, we've been saying the entire time, like a good team was going to miss the playoffs. Well, we've also been saying for what it feels like the entire season, like, holy Christ, like the Bruins are steamrolling through the. It's, yeah, and then we wake up one day. And yeah, it's it took like, a week oh, and wait, a half. Hold on, they're, they're fourth. A yeah. week and a half of 500 hockey for them to be on, like, the playoff bubble. Um, they, I will yeah. say, though, looking at the standings right now, they have two games in hand on everybody, at least two games in hand in fr- and on everybody in front of them. I, it's probably a little too early for a game in hand talk, but, like, it, you know. Don't get too carried away. They still have a better point percentage than Pittsburgh, and they're, and they're right up there with Washington and, and the Islanders. And they also, to the Bruins' credit, still have, you know, all of their games against Buffalo left. So I don't, I'm not running out there and you know smashing the uh, the alarm bell yet. But it's it's something that you know I thought it was an interesting po- inter- interesting point by Jack to kind of point out like, hey, this is kind of there, and you know that's the last thing you want to be dealing with right now is, is any sort of issue with Patrice Bergeron. Especially on the heels of, you know, Tuka Rask is, you know, is down on Tuesday night, did not go to uh, Long Island. That's something to keep keep an, uh, keep an eye on. He he did not look good skating over to the bench for the extra attacker on Sunday night. Like, he was, like, holding his back, which is never fun. But, you know, that's one of the things where if, I, I totally agree with the day. Like, that, the last place you want to be is on an airplane, even if it's just to fly to Long Island. So, I think goaltending is a is not a big issue for them. I think that's something that they definitely could take it easy with Tuca, because um, you know Holak continues to play out of his mind. So, um, you know, another thing that we we're going to talk about the offense. Somebody who is not, you know, supplying any sort of offense, who and who's completely healthy. In fact, he's so healthy that he's a healthy scratch. Is Jake DeBrusque. Um, He was kept out of Tuesday night's game at, on Long Island uh, as a healthy scratch and. To be honest with you, Bruce Cassidy, very candid with uh, his assessment of uh, uh, Jake DeBrusque and why DeBrusque was not in the lineup Tuesday night. Well, we've tried different angles with Jake. Um, you know, he's met one-on-one with myself. He's met with the coaches one-on-one, Joe and Jay. Met with lines. Um, you know, he's talked to some of the veteran guys. So, at the end of the day, we're not quite getting out of Jake what we want. Uh, some of that is circumstance and situational. He's moved around, been hurt. Uh, his center he's played with in the past has been hurt. So, uh, but I still feel he's been given, you know, ice time to, you know, to perform to his best of his ability. We, we just feel that we're not getting the effort required. It's it's, it's not always about the score sheet, Steve. Uh, it's about being one of, you know, 20 guys helping you win. And some nights it's there, some nights it's not. So again, we've tried different messaging with the player and, and uh, you know, sometimes going upstairs, taking a look. Uh, is not a bad way to go and put a different perspective on it. Maybe have a better appreciation for being in there and, and then, you know, maybe educating yourself on some things that you see from up top that, that look a little easier than they do in, in the live action. So at the end of the day, it's not the first person uh, that's been, been scratched and he won't be the last, but uh, we want to make him a better player in the long run. And, and, and this is, is the avenue we're going to take today and then sort it out on uh, Thursday when the Rangers are in town. I was kind of shocked at how candid he was with the whole thing, just because, I mean, Cassie's always been honest, but I just felt like this was brutally honest and nothing he said was wrong. I mean, Jake DeBrusque hasn't been uh, playing up to his potential this year. He's really been struggling. And this was, this is the time now to prove that he can really break out and be this player that they need him to be. He's on this two-year contract that, you know, it's almost like a prove it deal. And I don't know what's just not clicking, but he just looks like he's lost out there. He's really struggling. And, you know, he's 
he's just not obviously he's not scoring goals he doesn't have any goals this year but it's really frustrating to see because if he was supposed to provide some consistency on David Krejci's right side and now like David Krejci doesn't have consistency on on his line at all and it's you know I hope it sends the right message I hope that DeBrus doesn't take it you know as hard as you know as personal but I I'm glad that Cassidy said it I'm glad Cassidy sent the message and you know, better do it now than be struggling in the playoffs. Well, and the thing with DeBrusque, too, is, like, I get having trouble scoring. Like, he has historically been a streaky player. But even when he has been on a cold stretch, like, you always knew he was out there. Um, even during, like, the playoffs. Like, he was creating a lot of chances for Kasha and whatnot. Like, you could tell he was playing. There have been games where he has been playing, like, top six minutes, and he has looked invisible. Um, and I think he basically left Cassidy with no other choice. Now, I don't know, you know, effort is such a nebulous thing that it's like, well, how do you actually right. define it? Um, but at the same time, it's like, I don't know. I trust Bruce Cassidy before anybody else. So, well, I don't know. Healthy scratch him and see how long it takes. But at the same time, I have like my patience is a little bit thinner with it because outside of Bjork, there's really nobody that's been jerked around more than DeBrusque has. And like at a certain point, that's a compliment, right? When you're getting moved up to the top line and then it's like whenever there's, you know, crap hitting the fan, it's like you're the guy that plugs in and plays. But part of that also this year is by virtue of the fact that he lost his job to Nick Ritchie. Yeah. The, and the more I think about it, like, it's so easy for us, the general us, maybe not us as, as you know, smart people who, you know, respected hockey minds, but it's easy for us, the general us, to be like, this guy hasn't done anything. His effort sucks. Like, I don't know. I've never played hockey at a high level. I'm not entirely sure of what crappy effort looks like. For the head coach to come out and be like, effort's not good enough. Like, that's pretty damning. And I think. You know, Jake DeBrusque has a very big decision to make that could have ramifications for his entire career. There could be a lot of money on the line here. There could be a lot of, you know, reputation at stake. Like, they've drawn a very clear line in the sand. And I don't want to, like, overstate anything and get too carried away. But, like, that's, you know, you don't get that very often, especially today in professional sports, where it feels like, you know, protecting a player is the most important thing um you know for for Cassie to come out and be like yeah it was effort like that it's not good enough say that publicly that's that goes a long way he could just as easily been like you know we need Jake to get up on level nine and you know kind of see the game from up there and you know see if he can find which he did eventually which is funny yeah he got there so it's a little bit of a little bit of both I suppose but again to be that candid I know I know Bruce Cassie is a very honest man you know he talks publicly I think more so than his predecessor, you know, in that regard. But, um, you know, they 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 did not hide from it. So I give them credit. I think, you know, and Sweeney mentioned it when he talked uh, on Wednesday. Like, this is, you know, the last lever to pull when you're, you know, yeah. play, dealing with an NHL player. So now it's on DeBrus to kind of respond. I think whenever he gets back in the lineup, whether it's as, as early as Thursday night, like, I think you're going to see him look like he was shot out of a, a gun. Like, I think he's going to be all yeah. over the place whether he can sustain that is going to be paramount to, you know, whether he can get his career back on track. Cause again, like this is a very, you know, to 
a prove it point at his point at this point in his career. And if he can't figure it out, like he's still wondering what his future looks like, not only in Boston, but as, as an NHL, like it's a, I think it's that important of a spot for him. And that's the, you know, the frustrating thing kind of Logan, what you mentioned is he's shown he can do it before. Like he can, he can contribute offensively and he can contribute, you know, intangibly. So when you're not getting either one of those, you got to kind of see what else you got and try to send a message. So, I think that's where we're at. It happens from time to time. It's just jarring to see it with like a, a top six guy who's a relatively high draft pick, but yeah, it happens. I would, I would like to add something potentially stupid, maybe also spicy, but like Bruce Cassidy calling out the effort publicly to me is a sign that they have no intention of trading him. Uh, and maybe yeah. this is a little too galaxy brain, but like if you want to do anything to torpedo a guy's trade value, paint him as somebody who's not giving a crap at a given point yeah it's true they could have just as easily said like we believe in them and like oh, i mean I and, mean, and they, they did but like you know they could have definitely well and, painted it nice and gone from there yeah and, and maybe cassidy's just being candid to a fault and right. didn't like think it through because right. you know that, that would not be the way don sweeney would approach it necessarily but i think and i've expressed this to you mike over the last whatever it is 24 hours that unless the Bruins are getting a legitimate top six winger in return for a potential trade involving Jake DeBrusque, like they're making a tough situation potentially worse, right? Cause like you don't necessarily have any internal options to fix your struggle, secondary scoring. And a lot of your success right now is predicated on DeBrusque coming around. So why would you trade him unless you're getting something proven in return because then it's like, how did you fix the problem? Like, you absolutely didn't. If anything, you made it worse because you didn't bank on a rebound. Um, so, I, I don't know. I, as challenging as the last 24-plus hours seem to have been for Jake DeBrusque, nothing about it has given me the indication that he might be getting traded or anything like that. No, I – and yeah. It, but it Too is valuable telling. of an asset. It is telling that they, you know, with the issues that they do have offensively right now and the issues that they have with depth um, up top, at least like that, they felt confident enough to do this in the middle of a playoff race. And it kind of goes a long way too, but I, again, it's all part of that toolbox and you kind of try to figure it out and pull the levers and add cliche here, you know, but like as Sweeney mentioned, they're going to do everything that they can to kind of get him back going. So It'll be interesting to see how they tackle that uh, moving forward. I think that's something that we can probably dig into a little bit next week when we return for the Ness and Bruins podcast. But I think our time um, in this space has expired. So um, for Lauren and Logan, I'm Mike. This has been the Ness and Bruins podcast. Uh, Thanks for joining us. We'll see you again next week. Later.